heard those sticks drop. I thought we were about to go again. Good morning once again, church. Good morning. Happy Easter. Right? This is Easter's day we are celebrating. Today is the day we celebrate our risen Lord. Right? All the songs that we ever sing about the stone being rolled away, about chains being broken, about our debt being paid, about life coming from death, about our Lord being king, and about death being defeated, is all because of today. It's all because of this day that we call Easter. It's the day that we can say, He is risen. Okay, some of us can say it. He is risen. Right? We can say that with confidence because the tomb was empty. That's not something we have to kind of say like, maybe he is risen or what? No, he is risen. And we can say that with confidence. We can proclaim that because the tomb was empty. Right? The resurrection because of Easter Sunday, the day that we celebrate, he proved that he was the Christ. Right? That he was the Messiah. That he is your Savior. All of the prophets, as we go through scripture, all of the prophets told about him and all the signs pointed to him. And the first Easter demonstrated his authority and displayed his glory to the entire world. Not just 2,000 years ago, but every year since. We can go back to the the resurrection and we can see his authority. We can see his glory. And this morning I want to look at a a couple signs found in the Gospel of John that point to Jesus as the risen Messiah. It points to him as the Christ that the scriptures talked about. And as many of you know, we are walking through the Gospel of John and we come to this spot. And as we go through John, we'll notice that there's the term signs that only is found in John's Gospel when he's talking about the miracles of Jesus. He's talking about these signs, and he, other, other uh, gospel writers, they call them miracles, but John calls them signs because he wants us to see beyond the actions themselves. He wants the reader to look at this and see what is behind those actions. What are the signs pointing to? Who is Jesus? That is the significance of these miracles, right? It's one thing to see a sign and maybe be impressed by the beauty of the sign, Maybe you look at it and you're like, oh, that was good artwork. Whoever designed that, they did a great job. But it's another thing to actually know the purpose of the sign. What is that sign trying to tell you? Because signs can be really neat. They can have funny pictures. They can actually be really, really beautiful. But if you don't know what they mean, they're kind of useless. Right? They're, 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 they're no good. So you might be missing something important if you don't know what the signs are pointed to. Let me give you an example. Several years ago, I was traveling, and I had a significant layover. I don't remember the exact time, layover in Amsterdam. So when the plane gets off, I thought, hey, I keep hearing about these river taxis, and you've got to see them when you're in Amsterdam. So I thought, i got time to do this. So I get on the train. I go to the, I think it's the east side of the town, and it's pretty early in the morning. I don't remember, it's 5.30 or 6 in the morning, and I get to it, and there's a sign. It says closed, but it has, like, some times on it, and I thought, oh, that's when it opens, I've got some time, so I'm going to walk across town. I'm going to walk to the northwest side of Amsterdam, and I'm just going to look at the beauty, and I'll catch one of those taxis on my way back. That's fair enough. So that's what I do. I I walk back. It's about five miles. Not a huge accomplishment, but pretty good. I was a lot uh, more in shape back then. And uh, I got there, and they still weren't open. 
And I kept seeing signs on all the taxi things, but they had times, and it wasn't the time yet. So I stopped. As you can imagine, if you know me, I stopped and had a few cups of coffee as I was waiting. I had a breakfast. And as I got uh, to the time on the, the, the sheet, I started to notice there was activity going on, right, at the one that I was watching. But I said, oh, I still got about another hour or so, so I'm going to enjoy this before I move it on. So I grabbed another cup of coffee just to pass the time. And now I'm starting to look at my watch and saying, okay, um, now I'm starting to get pressed for my time to get back to the airport. Right? This is something I need to work out because there's, okay, now five miles is significant. There's five miles between me and where I need to get. I need to get on this thing. But one thing I did notice is that in the hour I was sitting there drinking coffee, the town had completely changed. Right? An hour before this, there was not a soul on the streets. It was completely empty. And now it was packed. Like you could not move. You could hardly move through them. So I see people getting a taxi, so I moved to the booth to buy a taxi, a ticket, but it's still closed. And there's a big sign on there saying closed, and it had times. But what I noticed on the bottom was it says, ride for free from here. I'm sold. Right? I'm getting on this taxi. And now I see people that are getting on to this uh, taxi. So I get in line, and as I'm getting up, it's my turn. The guy at the gate won't let me on the taxi. And I couldn't understand what he was saying. I'm pointing to the thing, saying, you're open. I can see that. And he's pointing to me to go stand off to the side. So I go, and I, I go ahead, and I stand off the side. I have no idea what he was saying. He was in German or Dutch or something like that. So I went to where he pointed, and by God's grace, a lady came up to me and said, what are you doing here? And I said, very simply, I'm trying to get on the taxi, and I pulled out my map, and I said, I need to get to this boat taxi stop, like, right now. And she said, um, that ain't going to happen, <laughs> right? And I, I was like, well, what do you mean? Because it's like on the other side of the town. It needs to happen. And she said, I'm sorry, but all the taxis are closed today because of the international festival that's going on this week. There's no taxis for you. They're all being used for two things. The parade, which I'm not a part of. And party boats. Those are the only two things they're using these things for. Right? So come to find out all of those booths that were closed that had all the times, they were telling you what time the party boat was showing up. Right? And unless you had tickets, you weren't getting on that party boat. So due to my inability to read and understand all the signs that I passed, I ended up having to push five miles through people. Right? Sweaty, nasty me, not the people, gross Right, I got my backpack on. I'm trying to get back to the train station. I had a plane to catch. And you know how it is fighting crowds. And I'm weaving and going in and out, in and out, in and out. But as I'm moving, there's this big store. And I noticed that in the entryway, there's some space. And I can make up some time if I just start running through that space. So I start running through that space, have no idea. Something in my backpack sets off the alarm to the sporting goods store. Right, The party police standing outside grab me because the alarm goes off and there's some dude running by with a backpack, right? So he grabs me and starts going through all of my stuff. And as I'm sitting there, because I've watched cops, so I know as soon as I say I never went to that store, that means I was in that store. So I didn't say anything, just let him go through my bag and I'm looking around. Man, there were signs everywhere talking about the week-long festival, right? Now that I knew the festival was coming, I knew what every single one of those signs said. And I was like, man, I wish I would have been paying attention to that sign earlier. 
Every window had a sign hanging from it, every street lamp, every boat on the river, every car that passed by. Man, the party police had banners on their arms saying there's a streetwide festival or nationwide festival. So I was just standing there saying it would have been really, really helpful to know what all these signs said before I got stuck in this position. If I would have known what they said, I think, I hope, I'm smart enough not to have gotten into the situation that I did. Right? Running late, five miles away, and a whole bunch of people stuck in Amsterdam waiting for my plane. Well, here's the good news. Right? All these signs that we find in Scripture that point to Jesus, John does a favor for us. John helps us out in his gospel. Right? In, in his own gospel, John writes this. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written. So he gives us a purpose for the signs that he talks about. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So now when John talks about signs, when John talks about the miracles of Jesus, we don't have to guess why is he telling us this. Is he trying to prove that Jesus could walk on water? Is he trying to prove that Jesus can turn fish into feed the thousands? No. He's trying to make you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, and that you may believe in his name and have life. Right? The signs that John talk about point to Jesus being the Son of God. Right? Jesus did these signs to manifest his glory so that we would find his name. We would believe in his name, and through that we would find life. These are special actions by Jesus which reveal his glory to those who believe. And they confront others that need to make a decision about Jesus. Right? So for those who believe, it strengthens their faith. It strengthens their resolve. They say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the Jesus. And their faith grows. And then there's other people that are presented with those same signs. And there's a question that's presented to them. Do you believe? Right? Do you believe that he is the Christ? Or do you not believe? Do you believe that he is your Lord? Or do you not believe? Do you believe he is your savior, or do you not believe? It simply comes down to, do you believe or not? So go, go ahead and open your Bibles with me. Turn to chapter 2 of the Gospel of John. And Christ is the risen Savior. This is funny, because right, some of you probably had your Bibles open to the end of the Gospel. Because when we get to Resurrection Sunday, when we get to Easter Sunday, everybody's preaching on the resurrection at the end of the Bible. But this was such a significant sign that we see Jesus talking about it throughout his ministry. Right? This was the ultimate sign that displayed his ultimate authority. It's not something that was tagged on to the end. It is, it is a theme throughout the ministry of Jesus. So open up John uh, chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at two events in this morning. Right? The first is the sign that Jesus performed turning water into wine at the wedding. And then we're going to look at a time that Jesus cleanses the temple and he points people to the sign that proves his authority, that proves that he has authority as God's son. Right? This sign, this resurrection would change everything for everybody all time. It didn't just affect those that were there. It doesn't just affect people between uh, 200 and 300 A.D. It affects everybody and every part of their life for all of time. That's why we celebrate Easter morning every year. That is why we celebrate. So let's go ahead and begin. 
I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to start by reading from verse 1. It says, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with the disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to them, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. This is the first of Jesus' signs. Now we can't read that passage. There's just so much to unpack in this passage. We're going to try and get right to the main point of this passage. As you read through this, right, as you read this, you're like, oh, Jesus was at a party. Right? Maybe he's not the killjoy that some of you think he is. Jesus likes life. Jesus is great. Jesus is fun to be around. Right? Maybe you said, oh, there's those Jewish um, containers for the ritual, so this has to do some of the Jewish food. No, no, no. This is a wedding. Those things were at every single Jewish wedding you could think of. Maybe as you read it, and Jesus calls his mom woman, that gave you some concern. I can tell you right now, every time I read that, I shudder a little bit. Because if I ever called my mom woman, that would be the last thing I said until my jaw healed. Right? It might be three, four months. I don't know when those stitches come out. But that is not something I would do. That scares me a little bit. But when we look at this passage, when we look at this context, the word woman that is translated there, it was commonly used. It was just a, a term that meant like female or woman. And in this context, is a term of respect and affection. We see Jesus use this term many, many times throughout the Gospels to refer to his mother. Jesus loved his mom. Jesus respected his mom. But I want you to pay attention to this because in that statement, there is a minor rebuke. Right? It's not in the term woman, but there is a minor rebuke. I heard one guy say, um, she got the rebuke. She she didn't stop talking, but she stopped talking to Jesus, right? She, she understood what was going on, but don't let this get distracted. Don't let this term woman get distracted from what is going on. He says to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So he's looking at his mom and saying, hey, why are, you, why are you telling me to do this? It's not my time. This isn't my problem, right? I don't have to worry about this. And later in John, about three years after this wedding, Jesus is attending the Passover feast. And John tells us that Jesus knew that his hour had come. And in John 17, Jesus' last recorded prayer with his disciples, Jesus prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. And it is here that we learn about this hour that Jesus spoke of. Right? We know that in that hour was his 
crucifixion and his resurrection. His full glory is seen on the cross. It is seen in his resurrection. It is not seen at some miracle at a wedding. Yet, Jesus did the miracle. Jesus turned the water into wine. And we have to ask ourselves, well, why did he do this? How did this point to Jesus being the Messiah? Some people said it was Jesus' first miracle simply because his mom told him to do it. But if we want to understand the significance of this text, if we want to see the importance of this sign, we have to go to verse 11. It says this, the first of his signs Jesus did at Canaan Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Verse 11 gives us two significant reasons that this was his first sign. Right, the first one is it manifested his glory. And as we already looked at this passage of John uh, 1.14, you can read that. It talks about the glory that was seen in him, the one that put on flesh. And this is marking the arrival of the Messiah. And then the second thing we see is that this caused his disciples to grow in their faith. Ultimately pointing them to his true identity, having a better understanding of who he was. So let's tackle these one at a time. The the first one, the wine points to the arrival of the Messiah. It points to the beginning of the Messianic age. I want you to look with me at how the prophets told of the coming of the Messiah. The prophet Isaiah speaks of the arrival of the coming Messiah, the one who will swallow up death forever. And Isaiah says this about it. On the mountain, the Lord of hosts will make all, for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow and of aged wine well refined. And if we look at other prophets like Amos and Joel, they describe the arrival of the, the Messianic age, the arrival of the Messiah with wine dripping from the mountains and flowing from the hills. Right? The transforming of water to wine is a sign that the arrival of the Messiah is here. It is happening. This abundance of wine speaks to the, the, the prophecies of the prophets that they have been speaking for centuries is now here. And as we see that these signs point to the arrival of the Messiah, he has arrived. But as he told his mother, his hour is still to come when we, he will defeat death and give life. So Jesus turned water into wine to mark his arrival, not to meet his mother's demands. As much as Jesus loves his mother, as much as he cares for his mother, he does not take ministry directives from his mother. He only takes those from his father. And it was this time, it was at this party where the father said, bang, the messianic age has arrived. You are to mark your arrival and let people know you are the Messiah. And then second, we see that the disciples believed. And as we talked about last week, all disciples, me, you, anybody who claims to be a follower of Jesus, we are always at this some stage of come and see. And as Eric shared with us, when we follow Jesus and when we see Jesus and we experience his glory and it is manifested in our lives by doing things that only he can do, our, our faith is affirmed, our faith is confirmed. We grow in our faith. For every minute we spend with Jesus, we are amazed at the grace that he shows us. We are amazed at the power that he displays. We are amazed at the sovereignty of how he runs all things. 
just like their faith was. As they were at this wedding and they witnessed the sign, it strengthened their belief in him as the coming Messiah, the one that was prophesied about. And so John shares this sign with us so that people would know Jesus and that they would believe that he is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he is the coming Messiah that has been prophesied for centuries, that you would know and believe and have life in his name. All right, that is the purpose of all the signs, to include turning water into wine. That wasn't just a party trick. That was to mark the arrival of your Savior. All right, so the first sign marked his arrival. The second sign that we're going to look at marks his authority. I want to begin in verse 12 of that same chapter. And after he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple he found those who were selling oxen, sheep, and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. And so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will rise it up. And the Jews then said, it was, has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will rise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scriptures, and the word that Jesus has spoken. Right, there's, a, there's again a whole bunch to, to unpack, but we're going to get right to the, the point of this text. Right, when Jesus comes to this temple, it's on Passover. This is the largest celebration of the Jewish calendar. This is when people from all over came to the temple. And Jesus shows up to this house of worship, shows up to his father's house, and it's this carnival atmosphere. Right? There's people there, and they're not really concerned about worshiping God. They're really concerned about ripping you off. Right? I want you to think of the, the carnies at the game. Right? Anybody can win this game. Just try. Give me five bucks. Right? This is how it's going to work. man. They're, they're, they're supposed to be focused on Jesus, but they're focused on wallets. They're focused on profits. They're focused on trade. What can they get? Right? It sounds like a fair of today. But this was a house of worship, and this was Jesus' house. So Jesus drives them all out of the temple. Right? He found these things to be offensive to true worship of his Father, to true worship of God. And he drives these people out. And the Scripture tells us the Jews, and what they're talking about here in the Jews is the religious leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, maybe some of those community leaders. And they come up to Jesus, and really they say, what signs do you show for doing these things? What they're really asking is, what authority do you have? What authority do you have in these things, right? You just ruined the best party in town. Who gives you this authority? And what we so commonly go to, because it lets us point to other people, we say, oh, he was just challenging the religious leaders. Right? He was just challenging the, those people in high, high spots. But we have to understand that he's not just challenging temple worship. He is challenging everything about their lives. 
right? The temple was the center of their lives. It was how they did trade. It was how they worshipped. Every, everything, their social circles, everything revolved around the temple. It was the center of their community. It was the center of their lives. And Jesus comes into this temple. He comes into this place. He takes their lives in a box and he turns it upside down and he starts shaking it. And now they're upset. And they say, what gives you this authority? They're demanding that Jesus show them some authority. But if you don't know this, if you're new to the faith, if you're new to Jesus, he's not an idiot. Right? He knows everything, and he knows their hearts. And verse 24 says, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. He knew what was in their hearts, that no matter what he said, no matter what he did, they were going to take issue with it. No matter what he said, no matter what he did, they were going to rationalize it to some crazy thing. Right, we see later in his ministry, he's been performing all of these miracles. And what do the Jewish leaders do? They say, oh, it's only because of Beelzebub that he does these things. Right? It's not because he's the son of God. It's because he was working for the devil. Jesus is performing miracles. So he knows that in this interchange. He knows that in this conversation. So knowing their hearts, he says, hey, you, you want to see my authority? You want to see what authority I have to do this? And in verse 19, he promises them a sign. One that will demonstrate his authority, not just over temple practices, but will demonstrate his complete authority over the temple, his authority over sin, his authority over death, his authority over each of their lives. Right? He says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And we see throughout scripture that whenever they came and they were attacking Jesus and they would ask him, who are you? Why can you do these things? How do you teach like that? How do you do these miracles? How do you do this? He doesn't get into an argument. He says, the day is coming. The sign is coming. In Matthew, he refers to it as the sign of Jonah when he was lost in the belly for three days. And when he came out, the Ninevites said, oh, that's from God. So he tells all these religious leaders, hey, the day is coming. Here's the sign. Nobody can argue with this sign. This will demonstrate my complete authority. Guess what that was? The first Easter. Right, that was the first Easter, Resurrection Sunday, if you want to call it that. And there's a reason that it's called Easter. Three days after Good Friday, when they put him on a cross, three days later, he walked out. They killed him. They put him on a cross, left him to die. Three days later, they go, the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive, he has risen. He is defeated that he is sovereign over all. Right, he is declared that he is sovereign over all. He has defeated death. And it is that morning that we celebrate today. And I'll be really, really honest with you. If you're a Christian, I pray that you celebrate that every single day. Right? That our Lord has risen, that our Lord is king, that our Lord is sovereign, that our Lord has broken every chain, that we have freedom in Christ. It's because the tomb was empty. Right? His resurrection was the ultimate sign that he had ultimate authority over everything. His resurrection secured our lives now and for all of eternity. Every single second from now to the, to the end of eternity. You, you figure out when that is. Our lives are secured because that tomb was empty. Right? His resurrection demonstrated his power. It displayed his victory. 
And it was through that victory that we have life now and forever. Right? The resurrection was the defining moment that allows Christians to believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. It is the resurrection that we can point to and say this is our Savior. We don't have to waffle. We don't have to waver. We can say it is the resurrection that beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that by believing in His name and who He is, we have life. Right? We can question all sorts of other things and people can come at me with all sorts of crazy stuff. Blah, 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 blah. What did you believe isn't true? Would you? And I say, I'll go to the resurrection. Let's just talk about the resurrection. Let's talk about Jesus being Christ. And it's in this resurrection that the disciples remembered the, this conversation from three years earlier. Right? They remember the words that were spoken. They believed the scriptures. Right? They believed the Old Testament that prophesied of the Messiah. They believed the words that Jesus spoke because of the resurrection. And of all the things that Jesus said, just pretend that you're there. Pretend you don't have scriptures. Pretend it's the first time that you're meeting Jesus and you see Jesus take some food and feed people. You're like, oh, that's cool. You see Jesus walk on water. You're like, oh, that's cool. You see Jesus cast out, cast out demons. You're like, that's pretty sweet. Right? And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to come back to life. Right? Peter, who he built the church on, said, no, you're not. <laughs> like, hey, God, there's a, there's a better way to do this. Right? That was something that was not believable. But on Easter morning, they all went to the tomb. It's empty, and they instantly said, this dude is special. This is the Messiah that was prophesied about. The, 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 the tomb is empty. Right, we are on this side of the resurrection. We know that the tomb was empty. We know that Jesus walked out. We know that Jesus was victorious. Right, and while some of us may have some questioning faith about that, the truth is that's why you're here this morning. Right, that's why some of you are tuning in today because you're like, hey, Something special happened on this day. Jesus did something special on this day. And the question that we should be answering this Easter morning as we look back on the signs that point to Jesus as our sovereign Savior, the point to Jesus as the Messiah, is does our faith represent that of the Jews, right? The Jewish leaders, a faith that is inadequate, a faith that is always demanding another sign? A faith that is always asking, what do I get out of this? What's in this for me? A faith that allows us to never really respond with faith. Right? A, a faith that as long as I can control it, I'm good. Right? As long as I have control, I'm good. I never have to respond to the faith that Jesus is Savior. I never have to have that belief. This has been off the whole time, huh? We're going to start over. Just kidding. Or is it the faith of disciples, a faith that is growing and believing in Jesus and in his word as we walk with him? And do we have a, a faith that is ever growing? A faith that is walking with Jesus and we see him do a sign, we see him do a miracle and we're amazed. We, we see his grace in our life and we stand perplexed. And our faith gets a little bit stronger. Our faith gets a little bit stronger. When we are faced with a situation, there's no way out of it. And Jesus comes through, and our faith grows a little 
bit stronger. And if you find that your faith relates more to the skeptical Jewish leaders, this inadequate faith that we talked about, I'm not sure what you're looking for. I'm not sure what your heart is looking for, but I can make you one promise that whatever you're looking for is gonna be just as empty as the tomb was on Sunday morning. That you won't find anything that is going to fulfill you, you won't find anything that is going to satisfy you, and most importantly, you will find zero that saves you outside of Jesus. The signs are all around, and they all point to Jesus as the way and the truth and the life. Right? And words that we can believe in, because Jesus said them. But then there's some of you that have this growing faith that, that is growing in Jesus every day, and I just want to encourage you to joy today. I want today just to be a huge celebration, and, and you know why we can do this? Because we know that that first sign that marked the Messiah's arrival, we know that first sign where Jesus is at a party and he turns water into wine. Man, we celebrate today because we have hope that that first miracle, that's just a dress rehearsal for the real thing, right? We know that there's gonna be the wedding feast of the lamb. It is gonna be a party like you can't even imagine. Right? Somebody wrote a song about that. I can only imagine, right? It's talking about sitting at the, the wedding feast of the lamb, sitting with your brothers and sisters. And when we read in Revelation, we see these heavenly bodies. John sees them. And he begins to worship. And they say, no, 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 no. Don't worship us. Right, we're in the presence of the lamb. Right, the, the angels actually say, we're just messengers. We're just servants like you. This is the one with all the glory. This is the one in full glory. His name is Jesus. We know that the, the, the that celebration, there's gonna be joy beyond measure. There's gonna be peace without end. And then we will all be like the master of the feast, the master of the ceremonies in that first miracle. We're gonna look around and say, well, that stuff was okay, but this is better, right? That stuff, like, dude, if you walk away here, church, I'm gonna give you a little secret right now. If you walk away from here, learn nothing else than this. Your best life is not now, right? Your best life is to come. Don't fall for that. Your best life is sitting at the feast of the, the wedding of the Lamb, sitting at a feast with the glory of the Lord. There is nothing in this earth, there's nothing in this world that will touch that. Nothing at all. We will be amazed at what is to come. And if you believe the signs and you would like to acknowledge and surrender your life to the authority of Jesus, Right, you, you want to mark your seat at that table. You say, no, I'm, I, I don't know if I believe Jesus. But today you're like, oh, no, no, I'm looking at signs and I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And you're like, I, I want a spot at that feast. Man, I want, a, I want an invitation to that party. All you have to do is surrender your life to Christ. All you have to do is give him the authority in your life. Now people say, well, what's the magic? There's no magic prayer. Right, there's no... Repentance, there's nothing you gotta do 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, there's no amount of money you gotta give, you just gotta surrender your life to Jesus. And you don't have to walk down any aisle. But, I, but here's the deal, here's what you gotta promise me. If you've never done that and you wanna do that, I want you to let me know so we can celebrate with you. Right, because there's angels in heaven that celebrate 
when people down here acknowledge that Jesus is Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is their Savior. And there'll be one day I'll be up there partying with him, but for now, I want to party with y'all. Right? I want to celebrate what is going on in your lives and what Jesus is doing. And we're about to close in prayer in just a few minutes. I'll be standing up front, but if you don't want to walk up front, that's cool. Just raise your hand. Man, just raise your hand. Say, man, I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I don't want to surrender my life to Christ. If you don't want to do that, you can go on connection card. If you're not here, if you're online, we got some connection card. I think it's some QR thing. Just, just put it with your phone. I'll get an email, man. We'll celebrate together. We'll celebrate as a church. But I want to encourage everyone everyone that is here today, everyone that's watching online, I want to encourage everyone to follow the signs that lead to life. Right, that you would run to Jesus. That you would not miss out on the lamb because you didn't read the signs. Right, don't get caught on the crowded streets with the party police going, oh, now I get it. It's not worth it. Don't get stuck there while everybody's going through your junk saying, ah, I wish I would have seen the sign. I wish I was invited to the party. I wish I was sitting at the ultimate wedding feast. The truth is, church, that all signs point to Jesus as the promised Savior, right, as the sovereign King, and it's only belief in Him that we will find life with an ever-growing faith in Him as our Savior. So this Easter, Man, run to Jesus or grow your faith in him. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so, we are beyond thankful for the empty tomb. Lord, all the questions that come into our lives, all the things about can we be saved, you answered when you walked out of the grave. You said, yeah, I'm the way. Anyway, how do we know when we have doubt that wrestles in our life, that struggles with us? How do we know that that's how we can be saved? How do we know that you can save us? You say, because I'm the truth. And we say, okay, Lord, how do we know that you're enough? How do we know that we will be satisfied? And you said, I'm the way. Right, that our, our hearts will be filled with the desires of our heart as we delight in you. That when we follow you, we find life. And Lord, this is a, a statement that goes to everybody. As we go through this day and as we celebrate, as we reflect on the empty tomb, may you grab our hearts. Man, may you draw us towards you ever so closer. May you reveal to your glory to us for the first time, or may you deepen our faith more and more and more so that we can know you more, that we can see your glory more, that we can experience your grace and share with our community the love of Jesus. Lord, we just pray for this Easter Sunday as people all around the world are gathering, some are hearing your name for the first time, that you would just grab hearts, that you would transform people, that you would just revitalize communities and families, and that you would restore us back to our creator. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for the risen Savior. And we thank you for the grace that you show us each day. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your son's name of Jesus we ask all of these things. And all of God's people said, amen.